Hi, and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. My name is Mary Jo McGuire, owner of MJ Nutrition. I have a degree and master's in nutritional science, and I'm studying to be a nutritional therapist also. I work with women every day who want to lose weight, improve their relationship with food, hack their hormones, regulate their cycle, restore their periods, learn about nutrition for hormonal balance, help women come off the pill, and lots more. This podcast will be a place to talk about all things female health related, from periods, the pill, weight loss, diets, fertility, acne, PMS, and lots, lots more. I hope this platform to be educational and empowering so women can take charge of their health, their hormones, so they can feel and look their best at all stages. Hi and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. I'm Mary Jo, your host, and I'm back this week with another really great episode. So I have Ashling Daly, who is a registered nutritionist. Uh, Ashling and I actually studied human nutrition in UCD. Uh, she was a year ahead of me, but um, yeah, she has worked in nutrition for many years now. She has worked in public health and is now working in a more um, individual kind of role where she's doing a coaching role uh, with the Fit Clinic. Uh, so she works on improving finds a relationship with food and um, works with uh, on intuitive eating. Um, she's also uh, working on a PhD at the moment on food and eating behaviours and on how and why we eat. So really a lot basically around the habits and behaviours around eating, uh, which is really interesting area because of course uh, there's more to food as a behaviour and a habit more so than anything else really. So um, and what we eat is. So I think um, Ashing is going to be able to talk to us a lot about this kind of thing uh, around um, our food choices, why and what, why we eat what we eat, uh, when and why we eat what we eat. Uh, also talk about diet culture and um, some body image issues and um, the striving for protect, perfection kind of model that a lot of us kind of uh, do and then that can negate our ability to progress at all. But I'm going to pass it over to Ashley, let her introduce herself properly and uh, tell us a little bit more about herself, what she's doing and why you got into nutrition in the first place, Ashling, and what you love about nutrition at the moment. Oh yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, MJ. Um, yeah, so kind of my background in nutrition has mostly been in public health, um, which is kind of on the bigger scheme of things. And definitely when we were studying, I used to always think, well, it's great, we know all these things about what we should be eating, but how can we get people eating these things? And at the time, which is like over 10 years ago now, <laughs> at the time, I definitely thought, well, public health is the way to go, because if we can figure out how to get people to eat what they should eat, then through public health, everyone can just do the same thing. Um, but having worked in public health, both in Ireland and abroad for a number of years, I started to realize that people don't do the same thing and people are all different. So even if we know what everyone or what the average person should be doing which is what kind of comes from public health guidance and um, the ways that we need to do it and the factors that we need to consider in our individual lives vary a lot so it's very hard to just simply say here's the public health guidance follow this and you'll be healthy um, it is the best that we have like it's obviously based on the best strongest evidence and that's the way it should be but applying it to individuals is much um a different story because everyone does have different needs and different different lifestyles and different habits and stuff yeah so then I started to um I started into my PhD which I am focusing in on teenagers but definitely um a lot of what we set our habits in our teenage years follow on into adulthood so they do certainly apply um, and I'm looking at the kind of behavioral side to nutrition as opposed to the biological or physical side to it. So like yeah. not necessarily the exact foods or the exact nutrients that we need to eat, but how we're eating, how we can get these in, taking into account, you know, our financial considerations, our lifestyle factors, our family considerations and um, access and availability to things. Um, and then also with personal and individual motivations. So one person you know, two people may have the exact same, live in the same area, have the same access to money, but they want different things and they have different needs. So um, that's what's quite interesting about working with it on an individual approach, because you you take into account all of these factors and work with that person on a one-to-one -one yeah. basis. 
Um, and I definitely have always been really interested in the behavioral side of nutrition, um, how we can get people to eat what they need to eat for them and yeah. um, taking into account all these other things. That's so interesting. And yeah, absolutely. Like even just working on a one-to-one -one basis, you can see how every single person is so, so different and the different choices that they make and they could have a similar set of circumstances but yeah it's so it's so important to recognize that and be able to work and have the skills to work with each, all of those types of clients isn't it and be able to help them and motivate them and help yeah. them with that specific issue that they're having to change and like for you working with clients now one-to-one -one and you like working on behaviors what do you find is the biggest challenges for clients when making behavioral changes with foods for themselves like undergo. um a lot of the time i find i find that it's very um mindset based so what their different motivations are a lot of the time probably the majority of the time um people come with a weight loss goal um saying you know i want to lose weight this is my goal weight um and i need help getting there um, it may be that they have no clue what they need to do or it may be that they've tried everything and it's just not working um, they might have lost a bit of weight and they can't shift those last few pounds or they've tried everything under the sun and nothing is changing. So I find that the, I'm sure you find it yourself as well with clients that the really important thing is to understand or to ask why they want to lose this weight. Yeah. So what is the underlying kind of driving motivation to lose this weight? And that can help tell you a lot about how it's going to be possible or if it's possible or if it's necessary. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely something I'm finding with people a lot that after a couple of questions or a couple of sessions, we're breaking down why they want to lose weight. And sometimes it's a very valid reason. And sometimes it can be, um, you know, trying to just lose one more kilo. But is it worth it for the sacrifice on the other things um, in life? And is it needed for the benefit of health? Yeah. So it's getting a balance between um, weight loss and health, health gain yeah. um, because a lot of the time people say I need to lose weight for my health because I know the negative effects it's having on my health yeah. um, because all we always hear in the media or in research as well as you know being a normal weight BMI or maintaining a healthy weight or losing weight if you're overweight is going to benefit your health it's going to reduce your risk of all these illnesses yeah um, but it's not always as straightforward as that a lot of the research, vast majority of the research shows um, it's actually the health behaviors that add to your health. Yeah. And that at the same time, there is sometimes a weight loss linked with that. Or at the same time, people who follow health promoting behaviors are at within the normal range of BMI. Yeah. I kind of want to say that in inverted commas because we okay. know that BMI isn't a great indicator for individual health. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's definitely getting the balance between weight loss versus health gain. And they're not always mutually exclusive and yeah. they can be interlinked as well. Yeah, I love that. And I suppose talking more on the, what you, do you see, again, I see this a lot, like the, the, that conflict between the weight loss and the health gain and trying to get that balance for people. Like, I suppose, uh, you know, I work a lot with uh, females with hormonal issues and, you know, it can be sometimes very counterproductive for them to lose weight um, for some of their goals if they want yeah. to get their menstrual cycle uh, back or have a regular function, uh, re regulation cycle. Um, and similarly, like with PCOS, and, and that's one another area I work at, again, I, I don't know if this is what you do. What I would look at is shifting the focus from the weight loss and focus on the PCOS in other ways in terms of maybe regulating the cycle, reducing the androgen levels, supporting energy levels and working on behaviours around that. And that can then help with the weight loss as a side result or a side benefit as well. Um, but I suppose, do you find that it's, it's hard to shift people's mentality to the health gain um, shift or do move that way or um, away from the weight loss focus and what do you do to help them um in that sphere get into that space yeah it definitely is i mean people in general and like we as a society we put a lot of um 
I was going to say we put a lot of weight on weight, yeah. but that's probably a bad way to say it. But we put a lot of emphasis on um, our weight and our physical appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we assume that by looking at someone, we can tell how healthy they are. Um, and that's not always the case. You don't know what's going on both internally, physically internally, but also mentally. And we have yeah. to remember that health isn't just about our physical body. It's about our, our mental body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you've had people on before and you know yourself about the link between kind of mental stress and the mental effects that can have on our, our stomach on our gut health um, and on our overall you know ability to, to lose or control our weight um, so there is a really strong link there that we know about um, so I always try to have like a bit of a gentle approach with clients not obviously you don't want to them to think oh god you're so stupid for wanting to lose weight why would you want to it is a normal a normal thing um both in terms of wanting to reduce our weight or change our body but also to work on understanding natural body changes um like as we age and as we develop things just change (laughs) unfortunately or fortunately um but it's kind of getting the emphasis of how you look and how you weigh what the number on the scale says um versus like you as an individual and all of your overall amazing characteristics in your personality but also in what your body can do um like you might be um in an overweight category but you can run 10 10k or you can lift a massive amount of weights or you've improved your strength or um anything like that yeah uh, definitely trying to highlight all of the benefits um, sometimes a big issue is for women after they've had children because naturally your body changes in that but that is a major um, positive your body yeah. has grown uh, a whole human and has brought a healthy life into the world um, and if that means you now need to go buy a larger size of jeans that's not a big issue and nobody is gonna say oh my god look at her she's so big yeah because of that baby um there's nearly a way to to accept it when it's around children but sometimes when our uh, bodies change from just like life I mean this last year as well a lot of people have had reduced access to gyms and exercise have been at home with a lot of just food around turning to food for comfort um and it may have impacted their uh physical size yeah um and it may have impacted their health behaviors, um, but you can change those behaviors and there may be no change to your weight and that's okay. Um, like for example, things like eating your five a day, you know, um, if you can do that and your body weight doesn't change at all, that's a great improvement to your health. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to see, it's hard to see the benefits when the only marker that we have externally is kind of how our body looks absolutely I agree and like just even on that one like eating your five a day and like if you haven't been doing that like maybe you haven't been getting much fiber in your diet maybe your bowels have been sluggish and like if you kind of look at other markers like you know how regularly your bowels are moving uh using instead of focusing on just a number on the scales looking at other markers like um you know regular function digestive system and you know a regular 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 cycle things like that that aren't just to do with the number on the scales or the size of your clothes or whatever that is because there's so many more markers for health rather than just the, the size on the scales and each one of us is so, yeah. so unique and something something that I kind of um I had heard like I didn't know about it a long time ago but kind of was reminded of recently um is this idea of you know, you can be larger or you can be like in inverted commas fat and fit. Um, and that's actually way better than being, you know, traditionally thin, whatever we count as the ideal of beauty, but being, you know, unhealthy internally, being really unfit. Yeah. Um, it's actually more beneficial health wise to be, say, larger, but active and following lots of health promoting behaviors and I say that as a kind of that's coming from my academic side where I'm, you know, categorizing things into different behaviors. But the ones that we tend to look at are, you know, eating uh, fruit and vegetables, eating a a balanced, healthy diet, doing regular physical activity and movement, um, not smoking and then having a kind of a moderate uh, alcohol consumption are 
are kind of the, the health promoting behaviors that actually do have an impact on your health yeah um independent of your weight yeah yeah totally um and that's really good and I suppose um the next thing I want to kind of touch on with you and like we've kind of talked about like you know weight on the scales and side of clothing and things like that and I suppose the the influence of maybe society in general and whatever on why we think like a certain size is health or whatever like where does this come from is it like and I want to bring in diet culture as well like what are your thoughts on this and the impacts of diet culture on I'm going to say female health at the moment just because it's the female health podcast mm-hmm. all my listeners are females I gather so uh, I'm going to just touch on that really for the for, I know it, it covers men as well I'm not excluding the gender mm-hmm. but for this podcast and um, we'll just talk about the impacts of diet culture on female health and um yeah like what are your thoughts on that yeah yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, it does, for the most part, affect women more than men, but certainly increasingly um, men are becoming more affected by diet culture, um, or more so in the sense that there's different standards set for men. Um, so they have different concerns to, yeah. to women, even though they fall under the same umbrella. Um, but yeah, I mean, diet culture is something that is almost really difficult to spot because it has become a normalized thing that we expect normalized standards of beauty normalized expectations for how you should look and how you should act um but the underlying thing is that it's all based on just that how you should look um your weight is a kind of proxy indicator for how healthy you are um, so if you look a certain way, you probably weigh a certain way and then you you're, should be healthy or a good person. Um, but like diet culture, it's been around forever. We don't realize it's there. It's the kind of idea that even before we've been almost born, there's an expectation of how our body should look. And it's a way of telling us your body is not right. So you need to do something to change it. And if your body doesn't look this certain way, you're a bad person and you must be unhealthy and lazy. And that's why you're quote unquote fat or bigger. Um, and it's all your fault. And then on the flip side, it's diet culture popping in to say, but if you buy this supplement or if you follow this plan and give me money, then I'm going to make you lose weight you're going to look right you're going to be healthy you're going to be a good person but then the and the other flip side to that is it's not sustainable and it's not realistic and long term so you fall into a cycle of trying the next best thing and the next thing that's coming around um because okay i followed this plan for six weeks and it was amazing i lost all this weight and then once i stopped it piled back on again so i need to either do that plan again or that obviously didn't work for me so I'll try the next one yeah. um but there is no one size fits all and we should I think it's getting better I think we're getting a lot better at um acknowledging and enjoying and celebrating different bodies different yeah. lifestyles different ways of thinking I think with like globalization and people moving and living in different places and that's a positive impact of kind of social media being much more widespread yeah. And we can see all the different bodies, we can see all the different ways of living and ways of eating and ways of being, and they're all good and they're all okay. Um, certainly within my research, that's something I'm noticing as well, that if you think back to when we were in school, when we were teenagers, that was kind of the very start of social media happening. And we were kind of influenced, or all we could see was what made it to mainstream media. So whatever was in the magazines or on the TV, essentially. Yeah. Um, whereas now there's so much more exposure to everything and anything. There's Netflix, which has all different types of shows on it, all different types of bodies. We're all online all the time. So yeah. we do have an element of control over what we see, but it's much easier to see it. Um, bigger bodies, different colored bodies, different types of habits, different types of exercise. Um, It's much broader. So I do think it's moving in the right direction. We're um, not there yet. Um, And in particular, I would kind of think people of say our age, give or take five or 10 years, like maybe from the early twenties to mid forties maybe, um, are probably the, the worst affected because we grew up when 
these standards were kind of still the norm. Yeah. Whereas as as I'm seeing with teenagers coming up now, they're more uh, woke or more yeah. aware of the differences that are out there and they're more accepting of it. Um, and possibly their, their parents are, are the ones contributing the diet culture because that's all parents knew. Yeah. Um. So it's hard to get out, but I I'm hopeful that we're starting to break loose of the cycle. Um. That's really promising to hear, though, that they're more aware of like the acceptance of other different body sizes and different. Not everything mm. has to look a certain way. And I, I I'm actually in a way surprised about that because of the influence of social media on in in their lives because it would have been a lot more prevalent. Mm now than we had we didn't have instagram or twitter yeah. or anything back in school anyway so like i always yeah. like, think like god i would hate to be a teenager like now with like all that's going on and i mean there is there is the negative side to it yeah. now obviously i'm just doing one piece of research on one group of, of teenagers so yeah. it's not representative of everyone but what is kind of coming out is people our age say we can be considered as social media immigrants as in we had to learn about it as it came about whereas teenagers and young people these days are social media natives so they've just grown it's just been there it's always been there they don't have to learn about it they yeah. know everything like a three-year-old can pick up a phone and know how to open up different apps and like yeah. you might don't know how to do some people don't know how to do that um so they've kind of grown up with it but equally I'm saying us as you know representative of 30 year old women yeah. um we were almost victim to the negative sides of social media and we still see it as very negative and there is there is still a lot of negative out there yeah but equally so there's a lot more media literacy and education around the risks for, okay. for people yeah. on social media and we've learned we've seen the negative effects and there's now more protections in place yeah okay they're not 100 percent perfect like you can still lie about your age and stuff but yeah. um there are protections in place there's a lot more education and awareness around it so it's not as damaging as we think it is yeah um but obviously it's getting the balance there's always potential for yeah, yeah. um like what like when we were in school we would have been told like don't get into a white van with a man who offers you sweets like yeah, that yeah. seems almost bizarre these days whereas now it's like you know be aware of who you're talking to online they may not yeah. always be who they are yeah um it's a different kind of story but with the same sort of thing and yeah. you're the exact same as what whenever I tell anyone that I'm researching teenagers they're always their first thought is what about social media that must be being having a really negative effect um, yeah, but I don't think really it's as negative as we think it is. Yeah. And Ashley, I just want to ask you um, on your research with teenagers and like obviously or what were like even like I don't know if you found this yet or if it's something you're coming across but like obviously what like we're exposed to as teenagers uh, has a lasting impact on our I suppose our relationship with food then as we get progress into adulthood and how we view food on our body and everything all of that like what what are you seeing in relation to that or what have you learned from your research in um looking at teenagers or like even if even if it hasn't come up in your current group like just from research in general like what do you what do you think the impacts of you know dieting in, in teenage years has on or like the way you look at food or your exposure to food or the way you've been mm. talked to about food say the way a parent or a teacher would say oh don't eat that that'll make you mm. weight or whatever like what, what's your thoughts on that yeah I mean it does kind of track on so so during the teenage years it's a very developmental time and it's when you do kind of set your behaviors and your habits um, and your values and those sort of things um, as you're becoming a more independent person um, so they definitely do track on into adulthood um, which is quite interesting when I'm working with clients because when you ask them to think back on when you know their history with dieting started it's usually in the teenage years um, and that's also linked with a change in your body so your body starts to change during puberty and as you're developing and at the same time you're trying to balance your social concerns and your friendship circles and becoming independent and you know you might know how to cook any food so you can only eat what's handy and if you never learn how to cook then you're not going to know magically when you become 30. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah they definitely what we what we set up in teenage years track on um into adulthood and then a lot of people that I'd work with now that are are in like middle adulthood I guess um is that a lot of what their thoughts and mindset around food came from say their parents as they were growing up in teenage years yeah so it's not as straightforward as just saying no that's wrong what you think we need to change this because it's it's part of them it's part of when they were developed that was their mindset that was their reason for going to the gym or reason for eating a certain way um sometimes that's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing um so it's about looking about where these motivations come from yeah as to how they may be benefiting or damaging your health yeah yeah that's really true and interesting and uh, next thing i want to talk about is um body image and suppose we've obviously touched on it through some of our conversations there like around diet culture and stuff but i suppose um I know from working with you and like then we, we worked with our own clients and stuff with but negative body image and like that perception is very common and can really um regress someone's progress because they they perceive that they are not making progress because they look a certain way or uh, the, the negative self-talk can just further accelerate maybe negative behaviors and um, what what do you find comes up uh, with clients around this kind of topic on body image yeah, it's a tricky one because um, we are kind of setting our ideal body, um, how we want our body to look based on, yeah, kind of the social standards. Um, so it is a tricky one because I definitely try to move people away from focusing on the scales specifically because the weight that shows up on the scales isn't really indicative of your health. Um, it's very loosely indicative. And like you know yourself, you know, as you start to, focus in on your health a bit more you might start exercising more you might start building a bit more muscle so you are improving your health but the number is staying the same um or possibly going up like in certain circumstances it is important to gain weight um but that can be really difficult and really challenging mentally when people are um almost addicted to the scales yeah um so i would try i try to slowly move people away from using the scales as their indicator um to try and focus on like i mentioned the different habits and um, that they're they're building but also how it's making them feel so a lot of clients will track their will will have already started tracking their um macronutrients and their calorie intakes um and slowly it's not something you can do straight away but slowly i'll try and get them to give themselves a day off from tracking and then to reflect back on how that felt yeah. um and a lot of the time they say whoa like I didn't feel stressed because I wasn't looking I didn't have to take the time to um open the app and remember everything that I've eaten uh, I didn't see the food there so I didn't feel any stress or any guilt um I wasn't able to see oh my god I've gone over my calories and that felt great so then I'll always try to you know highlight that is such a good benefit yeah and along that then usually they would still be measuring their their weight for some people um so it's comforting for them to see that when they don't track their weight has still stayed the same yeah. so it's gaining a bit of body trust in that your um your body is able to adjust and adapt to the foods that you're putting into it yeah. um and that in fact it may be better because you're actually feeding it and fueling it a bit better yeah. um a lot of the time when i start with a client and kind of discuss about how much they should be eating they're always shocked that it's actually more than they have been eating all the yeah. time and yeah. um, so sometimes that in itself can be a challenge to physically eat that amount of food when you're not used to it yeah but along that they start to eat a bit more and their weight is still staying the same yeah but that's when we start to move away from using weight as a focus and that's that's a big thing within kind of the intuitive eating approach which i like to use um is that it's not using weight as a focus um and when you start eating a bit more intuitively you might lose weight you might gain weight your weight might stay the same but that's not the improvement that we're looking for yeah. and if you are gaining weight when you start eating intuitively then that's where your body wants to be that's actually where it should be and you've been fighting it all this time yeah. um so it's interesting way of looking at it yeah 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 and but that's more of a mindset change that's needed than a 
um, physical change. So it's it's hard in that sense it is the hard for time. people to come to terms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, moving into that mindset change. But I suppose if they're starting to notice maybe the benefits of like, as you said, not tracking and like the nearly like some clients said it was a relief it was a breather it was just a refresher just to get away from it like and that's such a benefit like on their overall life if they're holding on to that stress all of the time and then they reduce it like that's a big benefit to their overall quality of life so like if they can look at more of the the good things that they can get from moving into that mindset then it can make it a, an easier mm-hmm. thing to adjust to there always has to be I suppose a benefit or positive outcome of doing something really so yeah. looking up that those um, benefits that they could get from that I I saw a really great quote just this morning that I actually thought was very ideal timing since we were gonna have this chat but it was instead of counting your calories and counting your macros count your blessings and your abilities and your strengths um and it's much yeah it was just wonderful I was like yeah that we shouldn't be spending so much time counting everything we're eating and tracking everything down to the nearest gram and the nearest calorie um rather we should be like what did this give me this was really tasty this was a celebration with my family this was you know the first time I've met someone outside of 5k exactly and like um, those three or so four five yeah. pounds that you've gained over the weekend from socializing they're good pounds to gain like we haven't been able to socialize for so long mm. like it's a good thing and um like not looking like yeah. again it comes back to not looking at the health as the as this number on the scales it's um health as a social health thing as well mm. and all the benefits that you get from that so yeah, yeah funny I actually just had a conversation with a few yeah. clients about that this morning as well so again it kind of fits in quite well but um yeah I was going to ask you something and it slipped my mind there I was on I was on something you said there but it might come back to me um yeah no sorry it was on intuitive eating and like I don't I know this is a big complex topic on itself mm-hmm. so but like who might this work for and who might this suit or how would they you know maybe get started or bringing it into their own day-to-day lives and um, just for the benefits of just even to recognize their hunger and fullness uh, cues, like things like that, that can be really mm. good to know. Like, so what would you say to someone who might be wanting yeah. to know what it is? Like, cause maybe someone might not have heard of that before. Yeah. So it's, it's really fascinating. I kind of came about it about a year ago, actually. And as I started reading up more on intuitive eating, I was just like, yeah, like this is, this is what we should be doing this is what I do while I try to encourage people but I feel like I'm just saying like wishy-washy stuff but intuitive eating is actually an evidence-based framework that's been around since the early 90s um and the clue is in the name itself so it's you know eating in response to your own intuition um responding to what your body is telling you and what your body needs um trying to you know respond to internal cues rather than external cues such as you know society and diet culture and beauty standards um, and equally external cues being you know strict diets or strict diet plans like well you know all of them like but following these external rules rather than our internal cues um but put giving that trust to your body can be difficult and that's where it comes back to that mindset shift and kind of acknowledging and respecting what your body wants and needs um but on that it's not just well like you know everyone's going to be different there is an evidence-based framework and there's 10 principles within intuitive eating um they're not necessarily linear they're kind of a bit cyclical in that you might come back and forth um between some of the stages and some of the concepts and ideas within it but the underlying concept of it is you know we're not looking at our weight here. The goal is to, you know, improve our overall health. And within health, we're taking into account physical, mental, social, all aspects of health. Yeah. Um, and that we're doing it for for you, for you as an individual, acknowledging that we all have different needs, um, but that we're listening to what we need. Um, and you kind of mentioned yourself there about listening to your hunger and listening to your fullness. And I just wanted to clarify as well that it's not just the hunger and fullness diet, because then sometimes people will be like, right, that's the diet I'm following then. Yeah. But then you're following another diet. <laughs> um, so it's kind of it is 
those are um, internal signals that can indicate when you might need to eat, how much you might need to eat, and even what you might need to eat. Yeah. Um, I had a really great quote from a client this week, which was just like, yes, this is what intuitive eating is about. She said she enjoyed a piece of cake for her birthday and um, felt like it was too sweet and actually craved vegetables afterwards. And she was like, why would I have ever, when would I ever have thought I would think a piece of cake is too sweet? But yeah. she took the time to actually taste it and experience it and enjoy it and listen to the signals that her body was saying. And they were saying, this is delicious. This is great. Probably had a bit too much now. You're going overboard on the sweetness here. Maybe take a break. So not just responding to her stomach fullness, but other aspects of this has kind of been, I've got the satisfaction from this that I need. Um, now we're kind of missing something here. Maybe go have some fruit or some vegetables or something a bit more health promoting. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of where it comes from um yeah. what do you want um yes it comes down to listening to your hunger eating when you're hungry as opposed to eating to what the clock says yeah um but equally not eating when you're not hungry um because if you're if you're um just following a strict time-based diet then you might be eating unnecessarily and then you may be eating excessively yeah um but it's getting the balance and those things can change. They're not going to be the same every day. Um, But equally, actually, just to highlight is the kind of idea of a practical hunger as well, that like we may be working, say, a strict schedule or if you're in school or whatever, you know, you only have your break time to eat. So whether you're hungry or not at those times, it's important to eat at those times. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. And uh, I come across that with clients as well who, I get them to kind of mindfully eat and really like slow down when they're eating and actually become aware of the taste and all the senses really as much like the textures flavors and everything and again it's kind of like that feedback that you got like they go I actually really craved getting back to my regular nutrition again the next day because it just felt really sweet Mm. or I just didn't want that much of it yeah it's really good to um yeah when they're allowing themselves to have those foods but like actually being mindful of eating them and uh yeah yeah a lot of people one of the one of the principles within intuitive eating is give is the idea of giving yourself unconditional permission to eat um but a lot of people can confuse that with i can eat anything and everything all the time yeah so if i let myself eat crisps i will only eat crisps yeah all day every day you that's a that's a part of the process you can start and eat the crisps spend a whole weekend and eat nothing but crisps and then see how you feel afterwards yeah your body will tell you i need a ton of water maybe some <laughs> nutrition here yeah. um but it's you know you can experiment um i'm all about the kind of trial and error with your body as well rather than just being like this is good for me so i'll eat it yeah eat it see if it feels good for you see if it has the effect for you when it comes to digestive health, there's so many different things for different people um, that you're like using myself and his example. I'm not great with um, seeds. I get digestive discomfort with that. I know how great they are for your health. I know they're really nutritionally beneficial, but I just can't eat them. I have to sacrifice that nutritional benefit, get yeah. it from somewhere else because otherwise I'm going to be in physical pain. Yeah. Um, so I can't just follow the rules that were set because they're nutritionally good and um, I have to listen to my body yeah. um, and that's where people um, fear at the start so it's it's great working with them to go slowly and be like just try it just try it be open to it uh, see how you feel it may be negative it may be positive but see how you feel um, and you decide it um, and the same with um Sorry, I was just going to say it just comes back uh, to like the, the body trust, like, you know, you're starting to build up mm, in the body yeah. and starting to form yeah. a relationship with your body, really, and getting to really listen to like, like, the, yeah. say, like eating all those crisps. Yes, you might do that. But then your body afterwards is going to be like, OK, hang on, like, I need some water, I need some vegetables, yeah. like I've had no fiber for days here. <laughs> so like you start to develop yeah. that into that's where it comes back as well um sorry <laughs> that's where it comes back so you kind of ask like who's intuitive eating for yeah. um and I mean my response would be for everybody 
Um, but some people might say, but I've got a condition like I've got diabetes, I've got an underactive thyroid, surely I can't just do this. And that's exactly what we just talked about. It's not, you can follow intuitive eating because you will be listening to your body and you will notice if you have diabetes and you let yourself eat nothing but um, sugar and biscuits and chocolate, you will have a physical effect of that. Yeah. So you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and we know that now from a lot of research based on this. So there's the kind of medical rules coming in. Yeah. But um, if you want to try it yourself once, <laughs> you'll see that there's a negative effect. So you yeah. will then intuitively not eat so much yeah. um, sugar with if it's with diabetes yeah um but that can be difficult for people as well because people do like rules we like structure and we like being told what to do because then we're being good by following the rules um but at some point there may be a trade-off between is it good to follow the rules versus bad to have the the restrictive negative stress and impact on your your mental and social health because if you're strictly tracking food and strictly you know not eating certain foods that limits you from being able to, you know, meet up with friends uh, for dinner or um, go to a, a family party or have someone else cook food for you because you don't know exactly what's in there. Yeah. So again, linking back with the, the physical and social benefits of food. Yeah, totally. I think that brings us in then to the, when people are making changes and habits and like you said, like they like rules and then they want to reach them all and tick them all off and like be perfect. Is that like striving for protect perfection uh, mindset? What do you work on with clients who have that mindset and how do you help them? Because this, again, it's really common, like it's an all or nothing approach. And then once they fail, because inevitably they will, because you just can't be perfect or there's no such thing and you can't achieve perfection every week or hit all your goals every week. What do you say to those clients or how do you work with that mentality? Yeah, I mean, striving for, for ugh, striving for perfection um, is really difficult because what is perfection? You know, it's really hard to know what it is. Um, but with people who are trying to break away from rules um I link it in with kind of the mindful eating as well but it's not just about the the food as you're eating it but it's also what is this food giving you um so like yes this might be giving me some you know health and nutrition certain benefits might be good in protein but is it also giving you you know a social event or um giving you some comfort after a stressful day or uh, is it just giving you pure energy because you're going to go for a run later or uh, have you not eaten for a long time so yes it may not be as health promoting food as you would like but you know you're really hungry you might actually collapse if you don't eat something now Mm -hmm. Um, I did that the other day I was absolutely starving I ran downstairs and had half a banana that was sitting there a spoonful of peanut butter which was literally just off a spoon and like it was actually my mouth was sticking together and Mm -hmm. I just grabbed a handful of crisps because that was all it was there and I was literally like about to keel over so not the best combination um I mean of course a banana is always great but like if I had planned and prepared and organized myself a little bit better I would have had a better snack ready but that was okay I was like I need this right now um or equally I mean I'm a big crisp fan I could easily eat a share bag like multiple nights a week and that's okay because it's my relaxation time it's kind of a bit of comfort um so there's other other mental and social things that food are giving as well as physical but for people that are trapped in a kind of diet mindset they often only focus in on the physical and they link the physical to the calories or the fat content or the sugar content so it's all kind of negative Whereas if we can switch that to saying, okay, maybe there's fiber in here, there's micronutrients in here, there's lots of protein in here, and there's hydration in here, but there's also social celebration, comfort, and yeah. um, non, not just biological issues yeah. and benefits. So trying to link in with the whole, the whole experience of food, not just the, the content of food. Yeah, and that's it exactly. There's so much more to food than just the 
the nutrients that are in it like obviously they're massively important and it's how mm. we survive and biologically survive and everything but there's a lot more to mm. that so I think that's really really important and I suppose when do you think then when clients start to think more that way or people in general I keep saying client because I know we both work with one-to-one clients but when people think that mm. way in general do you think it helps with them um moving away from that perfection mindset or the all or nothing mindset when they start to look at just eating for other purposes other than just a a weight loss purpose yeah yeah definitely it definitely does help um when they can start actively pulling out other positives to what they would have traditionally called a bad food or a cheap food or a guilty food um they can pull out a positive from it which can try to kind of dilute the negative connotations with it um, and they know that they're not going to eat it all the time. They know that they don't eat it all the time. It was a kind of a rare, relatively rare occasion. Um, so there were other positives to it, um, particularly now, or not quite yet, but soon we'll be moving out of lockdown, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're overly concerned about the negative sides of food and, and how many calories are in it, that could prevent you from meeting up with friends again um or prevent you from the amazing enjoyment you can get from going out for dinner um that so flipping the importance there away from the content of the food and more to the context of the food I guess yeah. is a good way to put it <laughs> brilliant I think that anything's well because yeah like people are and I've seen that people are nearly nervous about moving into out of lockdown which is I, I get it because it's been a comfort zone and a safety zone for so long and now we're moving into another maybe going out again with people people as we've said maybe have gained a bit of weight and they just don't feel as confident in themselves uh, and then they also like are afraid of like eating out again and things like that but I think what you said there sums it up really nicely that instead of looking at just the food as itself look at the other sides to it like the other purposes mm-hmm. that it comes with it like the social benefits and the fun sides of it and just being in another atmosphere and all of that like can increase your energy and your vibes and all of that you know we get so much good stuff from that really you know and it's not just about the food itself it's the experience uh, that we get from that and that adds mm. more quality of life really so hopefully that will help people who are a little bit apprehensive of that and to embrace the ability now to go out and meet new people or meet people we know already mm. and enjoy that ex- whole experience again and instead of focusing then on like you know weight loss is the only goal focusing on other health promoting behaviors that you've talked about you know mm. really focusing on your energy and your digestion and by adding in lots of fiber and you know not smoking and not over drinking and things like that yeah moving your body because it can not because you're punishing yourself and um, yeah it's really important and I think a lot of people um I've heard kind of comments creeping in now as people are kind of anticipating summer or anticipating yeah. coming out of lockdown they're like god like my jeans aren't gonna fit my clothes aren't gonna fit um but I just think it's really important um to think that you know you're supposed to your clothes are supposed to fit you you're not supposed to fit your clothes so if you need to go and buy a some different clothes well online at the minute I can't wait till shops open again but you know that's okay and that's a good thing you know you can still look really good if you're even if you're not wearing the same clothes you wore last year or the year before and you can still look and feel good and it's you're so much more than than if your clothes label say an s or a size 10 or a size 12 or whatever um it does but i i definitely so much emphasis on the numbers of clothes but like again i've been there so i'm not like criticizing someone who does that now Mm. Because I've been, yeah, you know, yeah. I've been like, oh, I want to be this size, and when I'm not, I'm like, oh God. But like, I'm in a place now where I can tell myself, being like, oh no, like, cop on, like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I yeah. don't talk to myself. I know my body is healthy now, and yeah. I focus on what it can do for me. I'm like, so what if I'm a bigger size than I was last summer? You know, I'm also a lot healthier than I was last summer. You know, in so mm. many other ways. So it's um, but again, that takes time to get to that place. I guess um, I'm not criticizing exactly that they feel that way. But I suppose, like we've kind of talked about, if we can really focus on other 
issues or not other issues but other mm. things about ourselves rather than just that number of clothes or the scales and all the other things that are good about us and because like people aren't looking to me yeah. up us for for what size our jeans are they're looking to me up with us for no exactly to the table really, yeah different personalities and like you'll never you'll never look back at the end of your life or, or uh, someone else's life to go a bit morbid and be like oh god wasn't she so great she always she was consistently a size 10 all the way throughout her life yeah and that's the best that's thing about you, you know? like Nobody that. really yeah yeah that you don't look back and think about any of your friends or anyone that you're close to you you will never think um oh my god she's she's gone up a jean size or at least I hope you wouldn't think that but you know if you're talking to yourself yeah if you're talking to yourself if you can start to talk to yourself the same way that you would to your close friend or a family member um that is just a great way to try and shift it to stop judging yourself more than you would other people or or assuming people are judging you the way you're judging yourself when when really they're not people are just looking at the 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 benefits or the the great things about you I mean I'm quite a positive looking positive outlook person anyway but um I do think it's important um because we are a lot more critical of ourselves than we are of other people and therefore we assume they're being that critical about us as well when really they're not they're not yeah absolutely and oh I think that's really nice way to end it because of the way we're moving into out of lockdown I know people are thinking like that so I'm glad that we covered that um but yeah Ashley thank you so so much for coming on and that was so so interesting and really I think going to be practically helpful for people as well and like I think it will help a lot with people who are struggling with this kind of mindset around diet and weight gain and things Mm. like that so I think it was really really helpful and if people want to find out more about you or follow you even on instagram do you want to just give your handle there your instagram name yeah so um yeah (laughs) so i actually should probably change my instagram name i think because i try to make a pun out of my name but it doesn't really work (laughs) so most people call me nutriash but i aimed to make it like a pun on the word nutritious yeah but um of course with the irish spelling we all know that ais is pronounced ash but anyway, we have a oh, bit of a joke yes, about yeah. my I'll, I'll leave, <laughs> But I'll maybe you can tag me. <laughs> I'll leave the name in the, the show notes and also on Instagram as well so people can find you because you know, I do think it's a really important area to follow when you are interested in your health and looking after your health. You have to look after the mindset around health and not just the physical. Mm. It's really, really important. Definitely. But um, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on and uh, best of luck with your PhD and everything else that you're doing. And um, yeah, we'll chat again soon, I'm sure. Thanks for having me. It was really enjoyable. <laughs>